Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 99, the evolutionary reason your brain creates anxiety. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. I feel like I do this a lot, but I need to um, clarify the title of this episode. So brains don't create anxiety. And I, I have anxiety in quotes, right? So this thing we call anxiety, this thing we experience as anxiety, anxiety isn't a thing that's spit out of the brain. The brain's not saying, oh, let's be really anxious right now. Brains just create energy or they just use energy or they just do a lot of stuff. (laughs) They're just really active and sometimes they're a little bit less active, right? They are really busy. Sometimes they're a little bit less busy. That's not anxiety. That's just energy and brain activity. So anxiety is a word that we use to describe this feeling of our mind racing and us feeling it physically and us not liking it and maybe it lingering longer than we think it should. Anxiety is a a man or woman made creation. Like it's just a label that our mind comes up with and it's incredibly subjective. But I just think that's really important to clarify that brains aren't against us in any way whatsoever. They would they don't create anxiety. They just do their brain thing. They just they just process and get active and then slow down and then speed up and they're they're fine. They're fine with what they're doing. It's us kind of in what we make of our experience and what we think of it and what we decide to call it that has it feeling like anxiety or whatever it's feeling like. So brains don't create anxiety just like Sundays don't create relaxation or just like rainy days don't create gloom. Sunday's just a day, rain's just weather doing what it does. And then we experience it the way that we experience it. But, you know, the title, The Evolutionary Reason Your Brain Creates Anxiety, um, I don't know, I thought it was kind of (laughs) catchy. And I didn't want to have a super long title that explained the way you're, the reason your brain creates anxiety, but by the way, your brain doesn't actually create anxiety. So anyway, um, so in this episode, I want to talk a little bit about evolution and only, I want you to know why. So you probably know that I think maybe the most helpful, definitely my current favorite way of sharing this understanding is helping people see that your experience is just what experience is for all of us. It's not, it's not personal. It's, you're not alone in it. No matter what it is, you're not alone in your experience. It isn't about you. There is no problem happening. You don't have a broken brain and there's nothing wrong. The more we can see, oh, this is just my mind doing what all minds do, or my mind doing what it's meant to do, what it's designed to do, the more it takes off our minds. So just like anything, right? When we understand it, we don't worry about it. We don't even have to think about it anymore. 
when you see, oh, clouds just come over my house and then they pour rain and then they move on and stop, fine. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to blame anyone for it. You don't have to enter therapy for it. (laughs) It, That's just what a cloud does. And it's the exact same with our mind and our brain. There's nothing to take so seriously, nothing to worry about. It's not about you. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to figure it out. So in the name of seeing what minds do and specifically what brains do, in the name of seeing what that physical organ in your head has evolved over many, many years to do, I thought it'd be helpful to look at how human evolution and the evolution of our world has contributed to how our experience shows up and how we how we feel and experience our experience. So let me just say I'm not an expert in evolution at all. This is a very uh, high-level discussion. So don't let yourself get all caught up in the weeds of it. It's not about getting every little fact right. Like everything here, it's it's more practical than that. It's just getting a feel for something because I, I think with this in particular, like when we just get a feel for what's going on, we don't need to know dates and numbers and facts and figures. We just want to have a sense of what's happening and what's happened and that's all that's all you need it like it just starts to lift so much it starts to show you like oh oh yeah there's something to this that has nothing to do with me and how my experience looks right now today so uh human evolution takes a really really long time the first humans i don't know i think it's like two or three million years ago right since the first humans were were on earth. And they say that the brain that we have today, so the way our brain is and works and functions today is about 200,000 years old. So in the last 200,000 years, our brain has not evolved and changed that much. And all the years leading up to 200,000 years ago, there was a lot of change, right? I mean, I don't know what a lot is, but relatively speaking, it was evolving, evolving, evolving. And for the past 200,000 years or so, not a whole lot has changed. So what that means is that the brain we have today evolved to or was suited for life 200,000 years ago. And as we all know, life 200,000 years ago was very different than life today. So the brain evolution has been incredibly slow as all kind of physical evolution is in that way. But our world evolution, especially in the last 500 years, radically, completely different. So in some ways, we have a brain that has just yet to catch up with how the world is today. So 200,000 years ago, you know, you were living uh, not even day to day. I'm thinking, you know, hour to hour, moment to moment. We were forced to be incredibly present because our survival was in question all the time. Most of every single day of your life was spent hunting and gathering food. Like that was, you woke up and did that all day long (laughs) until you went to sleep and uh, looking for predators and, and being present and alert. And there were actual real threats to survival 
everywhere. I mean, beyond even just starving and not finding enough food for that day, which obviously you can live without food for a little while. I, I, you know, there were huge climate shifts happening on earth and not the kind of shelter that we have to withstand those today. There were uh, animals and rival tribes and all kinds of stuff all over the place. So in order to stay alive, we, it was like absolutely necessary to be alert and present. And we evolved to get feedback that we would instantly act on. So we did, you know, humans, when I say we, I'm just talking about humans 200,000 years ago. We felt fear a lot. We felt this, this sudden jolt of fear quite often, but it was always in response to something that we should be doing. Like that's why we survived. That was, that's what was adaptive about it. There was an immediate issue of survival right in front of us that our fear alerted us to. And because it was right there and it was very real and it was in our faces, when we felt that fear, we, had, we, we immediately went into action. We didn't sit around and worry and think about things. We couldn't. We lived in the present moment and there was always something to do when we felt that. So scientists call this an immediate return environment in that if you sense danger, you'd feel fear and you'd immediately act on it or you'd die. And the fear was alerting you to something, some kind of danger that was right in front of you, physical, real, like right there. So again, people didn't sit around and worry about how much food they might find tomorrow because it just didn't work that way. Every, they were incredibly present and it like had to be, right? There was no thinking about the future because you couldn't really take your eye off this moment so much. I don't know, but I'm guessing that there wasn't even a whole lot of like sitting around by the campfire at night at the end of a day and saying, oh, did you see that near miss I almost had earlier? <laughs> like, you know, because I just don't think that we evolved to, to leave the present moment at that point all that much. It, kind of like the way that we talk about kids now, you know, like kids don't sit around and talk about the past and the future. They're just here responding to now. And I don't know, but I'm kind of guessing that's the way it was then. And I'm also kind of assuming that there wasn't a whole lot of fear of fear, which is what we call anxiety now when we fear our experience. Because think about it. Why would we fear that? We, we would love it. We would love the fact that we get this, this sudden bolt of energy that wakes us up, narrows our vision, gets us super focused on something, and gives us, puts us into action to do it, to do something. So the fact that you feel this quick bolt of fear and you run or hide or fight or, you know, find shelter or find food or whatever, whatever is the actual issue in front of you, the fear is a wonderful thing. It's propelling you into action so that you can keep yourself alive. Think about that compared to today. I mean, to... Again, I'm assuming I'm making this up, but to appreciate fear, to see it as just a natural thing that happens that always has a, a helpful purpose that keeps you alive versus today where we feel fear and we hate it. We're afraid of it. We judge it. We get it going to our heads and we have all this thinking about what it means and what it means about us. 
there just wasn't time for that. (laughs) There's no time for that back when there are actual threats all around you. So totally, totally different. There was no chronic stress 200,000 years ago because there were no chronic issues. Chronic wasn't a thing. There was just now. There was like, will I live through the end of the day or the end of this hour, the end of this hunt? So there were immediate problems only, and that's why they call it an immediate return environment. So although our brain hasn't changed that much since those days, relatively speaking, obviously the world we live in for the past 500 years or so has totally changed. And now we live in what scientists call a delayed return environment. So 500 years, give or take, out of the past 200,000. And in the past 500 years, there are not threats to our survival around every corner. We don't have to hunt and gather our food. We have a ton of safety, a ton of convenience, relatively speaking. Um, And maybe for better, maybe for worse in some ways, we're not forced to be alert and present in everyday life. In fact, our, our world around us has become so cushy in some ways. And again, I, I, it's all relative, right? But so cushy and so easy and so safe compared to those days that we don't really even have to be here at all if we don't want to, mentally speaking. You know, you can kind of just float through and numb through and, and you'll be fine because there's nothing hiding around the corner about to eat you. So this is called a delayed return environment instead of an immediate return environment because most of what we do today is not for immediate return or immediate payoff. It's for payoff or return at some delayed point in the future. So you go to a grocery store to buy your groceries that you'll put in the refrigerator and eat you know, over the next week. Or you have a house built that you'll move into next year. Or you apply for a job that you'll get maybe in the next few weeks. There, there's relatively little that is immediate. Almost everything is delayed, definitely compared to 200,000 years ago. But just in general, without any comparison, I mean, almost everything we do today, given the way the world has evolved and changed, is for some delayed return or delayed payoff. Like me, you... You're spending all your time writing a book that will come out in 2021, which sounds crazy and it feels kind of crazy sometimes. Um, You know, or you work at your job and you'll get paid at the end of the week or you'll get paid in two weeks. So we do things like that's how we interact with the world now. We make these complex choices and decisions about how to raise our kids or what to study or how to spend your time that aren't going to materialize right in front of you. It's going to be down the road somewhere. And because there's little immediate return, when your mind veers off into worry or fear today, and it does because it was it has evolved to. So remember, like this whole fear response, it's a super, super helpful thing, especially in the in the environment in which it kind of originally evolved to. I mean, it, it was the most important thing. So, and our brains haven't changed that much. So they're still broadcasting fear. They're still looking for things that might be a threat that we should look out for, things we should run from, hide from, except those things aren't real in our world today. 
They just aren't. So now when, you're, when your mind kind of kicks off into things to worry about and fear and you feel the feeling of fear in your body, there's no actual issue. The biggest things that our mind can attach to to make sense of that fear are things that are way off down the road. So you discipline your kids in some way because you want them to grow up to be good citizens and you don't see the payoff. You don't see it for a really long time if you ever really see it. So your mind thinks, did I do the right thing? What's going to happen to them? How are they going to be? You know, you're, you're sitting around thinking, I put in all this work. I work like crazy for this company. What if they go under? What if they lay me off? What if they can't pay me? Everything, when the fear comes up now, today in this world, there's almost never something right in front of us to attribute it to that's even going on. It's the fear coming up from our brain that's evolved to to put this fear out. And our mind makes sense of that in some way and attaches it to something. But the thing it attaches it to is not even real. It's not a woolly mammoth in front of you. It's not a rival tribe in front of you. It's not the fact that you haven't found food in three days and you're actually on the verge of starving to death. It's what if? What if this happens? What if that happens? It's our imagination. It's our imagination going way off into the future. And just because it's off into the future, it requires, like our it is our imagination. There's nothing real actually happening right now. Now, remember the other part of this. The fear shows up. There should be something right in front of us to take action on, to help ourselves. There isn't today. And because there's nothing to actually do, we sit around and we just feel this fear. We, call, we, we now it lingers because it's like, oh, what if I did make the wrong choice? What is going to happen? There's nothing that we, nothing in our faces to actually act on to fix or hide from or solve. So we're left just sitting here again in our own imaginations, just thinking about it more, thinking about it more. And then we feel even worse and we think, oh, I really should do something, but there's nothing to do because there's not an issue. Back in the day when we think, when we feel this fear and we know, okay, I should do something, we're just by nature, by life sprung into action and there's actually something to do. Right now, there's nothing to do because we can't fix a problem that doesn't exist. We can't run from a monster that is in our heads. There is no actual threat, actual problem, actual monster out there it's our imagination making all this what if stuff up. So we've gone from this act now world, which are, you know, again, 200,000 years ago, our brain was like, it was amazing. It was like, wow, look at how well we, we deal with this and this fear comes up and we're fully equipped to act now. Well, now there's no act now. Now there's just what if. What if this happens? What if that happens? It's our mind making stuff up <laughs> and there's no resolution to it because there's no actual problem to it. And see, here's where our misunderstanding of our experience comes in, is we're sitting around worrying, fearing. There's nothing in front of us that we can see to do, but 
that doesn't feel right either. Like that doesn't make sense. Our, our minds are too smart. Our brains are too smart. So they're going to want to make sense of things. So they think, oh, there is a reason that I'm worrying. There is a reason I'm sitting in this now chronic anxiety and chronic worry. It's because I might get fired someday <laughs> because I might have made a wrong choice. I might've messed my kids up. That's really likely, you know, like it happened to my friend. I've seen it happen. It could be. And our minds just go to work making up theories to explain how we feel because that's exactly what a mind would do. It's not going to just sit there in fear that has no resolution and no cause and say, oh, I don't know. I guess that's just how we've evolved. No, it's going to come up with a story that seems to make sense and and a theory about why you feel this way that you will convince yourself, your mind will convince you is the truth. But when we see this, we can know that it isn't. Like we can, we can be onto it. We can see that if you're feeling fear, anxiety, worry, if it's lingering, it was never designed to linger. If it is lingering, all that means is there's no actual problem because it was designed to just be there and then be extinguished when you do something, when you save yourself. If every single time we're sitting in this chronic worry, chronic anxiety, it's just our mind spinning on things that aren't actually real. Because if there was something in front of you, you would act on it. You are equipped for that. If you're not doing anything, there's nothing really to do. Isn't that awesome to see? I love this so much. Like, it's fascinating to see just what a mismatch there is between. And there's so many problems. I mean, anxiety is the biggest class of them as far as I can see. But there's so many issues that um, that feel like mental health problems, feel like things that we suffer from today that, that can be so easily explained by just seeing exactly what we're talking about here. That our brain has evolved to live 200,000 years ago, but there's this giant mismatch between how our brain works and what the world is like today. So much with like, um, comparison and feeling bad. I mean, back in the day, you know, people lived in groups of 100 to 200 people, not even lived in groups of that, but like in your lifetime, you maybe knew that many people. Now, we, you know, and I don't mean even really know, but I mean even come across that many people, see that many people. Now with TV and internet and celebrities everywhere and all of this stuff, I mean, we're we're aware of hundreds of thousands of people probably. And our brain is just sizing us up, just like it had to do back then to size up against people to say, are you friendly? Are you not friendly? Are you going to kill me? Are you not going to kill me? Are you bigger than me or am I bigger than you? Are you smarter than me? Do you have some fancy tool that I don't have? Or do I have that leg up? That was all for survival reasons. It was incredibly adaptive. Our brain is still doing that except it's doing it with the stupid pictures you see on Instagram. And it's comparing and it's doing, you know, and it's judging, you're, you're ahead, I'm ahead. You're behind, I'm behind. And it's completely unnecessary and makes no sense today. And we just suffer when we get caught up in it. So there's lots and lots of examples of that. Um, but what they all kind of come back to is this general feeling of anxiety, I think, and worry. And, you know, we can put them all in that, in that bucket, comparison and not good enough. And I just think it's the coolest thing in the world to see that if, 
if you don't see anything in front of you, like if you are not jumping into action, all that's happening is your mind is off, your imagination is running wild. And there's some old adaptive fear that's showing up and then getting attached to something that's getting explained by something that's not actually even a problem in your world right now. And that we cannot solve problems that don't exist. You cannot sit here right now today and solve the problem of what you'll do if you get fired. It just doesn't work that way. You, you, something might occur to you. You might see things. We're always seeing new things, but from especially sitting here today in worry and stress and anxiety about something that's not real, you're not going to solve that problem that isn't even a problem yet. And the only reason it looks like we are is because our brain has just evolved to make us really smart and to help us survive. And we just get caught up in in making up these theories about why it's doing what it's doing. And we try to explain our experience in a way that has it make sense to us, you know, and be relevant. Like, well, I wouldn't be feeling this way if this wasn't actually a problem. Well, you would. <laughs> here's the other side of that. Here's here's the reason why we're feeling all this stuff that isn't actually a problem. We would actually, but there is an explanation. It's just not the explanation, not the theory that that our mind will make up about it. You know, our brain, it just it makes so many false associations. It, it, it's constantly just trying to make sense of how, of the feeling, the energy that's moving through it and the feelings that are coming up. And in doing that, it, it messes up a lot. It's just wrong a lot about why you feel the way you do and what it means and what should be done. So what an amazing shortcut. What an amazing just, shot of clarity to be able to see, oh, when I'm feeling horrible and there's nothing and I'm not doing anything, I'm just sitting around feeling horrible, there is no actual problem. I can be in this feeling. This feeling will pass. I don't have to, there's nothing to fix. I don't have to take it so seriously. And when you just see, oh, it's just my brain worrying about stuff, it just changes it. So we can't make our brains change. We can't speed up evolution, but we can come to see how intelligent and helpful they're trying to be, that there is a rhyme and reason. There is a, a, a beautiful intelligence and logic behind everything that our brain is doing, everything that our body does. There is a logic and an intelligence behind it. And the more we even just see that, you don't have to study the stuff in detail, but Again, the more we just see that in the big picture and come to know that that's the truth, that there aren't mistakes, that everything's okay, that we can feel stuff and it'll go away, that when we need to do something, we will. And when we don't know what to do, there's nothing to do. Like you just come to get a feel for those very simple little rules and ways that it works. And it's even better than changing our brain. And we don't need to change our brain. We just get to kind of marvel at it and, and not feel so afraid of and threatened by it. Thank you so much for listening to Changeable. If you enjoy this podcast, please let me know by subscribing or maybe even considering leaving a review. iTunes reviews are so valuable in helping other people who need change to find their way here. Talk to you next week.